scripture into your hearing, the New Testament record of the Gospel of St. Mark. I want to look at chapter 9 today, beginning with verse 17. It's the New Testament record, the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 9, beginning with verse 17, and reading a few verses thereafter. It reads like this. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a, of a child, and all times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. Uh, if you believe. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord. If you believe. Reminded the story of the boy who caught the bus to the downtown library. He needed to do some research and some books uh, that were there. Upon his arrival, he saw beautiful landscape, landscape shrubbery along the walkways leading to the steps of the library. He saw expensive marble columns across the front of the building beautiful marble steps leading up to the entryway, mm -hmm. glass doors that opened up to a beautiful atrium. Mm -hmm. Upon entering the library, he saw beautiful portraits of presidents on the wall, coin collections, stamp collections here and there, art exhibits, craft exhibits, expensive paintings lining the hallways of the building. Finally, after having seen all of that, and yet not having seen any books in the place, <laughs> out of frustration and out of exasperation, he hollered out, where in the world is the library? <laughs> like so, if one were to visit many churches today uh, in search of a faith that would help with their unbelief, uh, they might see fancy buildings, Sprawling campuses, beautiful landscape yards, stained glass windows, freshly paved parking lots, expensive sound systems, plush carpet, beautifully covered pews, television broadcasts. Finally, after seeing all of that, yet not yet not having seen any people of faith, out of frustration, they might also cry out, where in the world is the church? But just like that young boy who entered that library, he saw many fabulous things, 
on the premises, but yet cried out, where in the world is the library? Yeah. Because he knew that no matter what else the building had, if it didn't have any books, yeah. it could not be much of a functioning library. Right. The church building may have many beautiful furnishings and people from wall to wall, yeah. but if there is no faith that is evidenced in the lives and work of the people, yeah. it really can't be much of a church. Uh, for what books are to a library, faith is to the life of the believer. Uh, just as books uh, are that one indispensable element that is necessary for the sustaining and keeping of a library, so is faith that one indispensable quality that is necessary for the keeping and sustaining of the church and the believer. You know, the Bible has much to say to us about this matter called faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 10, 38 says, The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Right. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace are ye saved yeah. through faith, yeah. and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says, For we walk by faith, yeah. Yeah. not by sight. Yeah. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible yeah. to please him, yeah. for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Yeah and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yes. You're still not getting Matthew 17, 17, 20 says, If ye have faith, yes. the size of a mustard seed, yes. you can say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, yes. and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Yes. Yes. And you do know when Jesus says that, he's not uh, talking about just some physical mountains on the landscape of the earth. You can get some bulldozers and move that. But he's talking about mountains of negative circumstances uh, on the landscape of your heart and your mind. And I've come to share with somebody this morning, all of us, if we're going anywhere, we're going to have some mountains along the way. Some mountains that need to be moved. And so please understand this morning that having faith doesn't mean you won't have any more mountains. But it just means you got trust in somebody who will be a mountain mover for you. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody needs to be encouraged. No, it doesn't matter even how big your mountain is. Doesn't matter how long it's been trying to intimidate you, how long it's been trying to impede your way. Doesn't matter what claims your mountain claims it has on you. Doesn't matter how impossible the situation may appear. Jesus says... If you just have faith the size of a tiny seed, uh, you can start speaking to your situation. You can start speaking to your mountain. you got to stop being intimidated by your mountains. Instead of talking to your mountains, you've been allowing your mountains to talk to you. Uh, how many of you know you got to turn that thing around and start speaking to your mountains? Matter of fact, you need to introduce yourself to your mountains. They may not know who you are. You all tell your mountain, excuse me, I'm a child of God. Mountain, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. Jesus says, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. I said, you need to start speaking to your mountains. Is this mic still on? 
If you need to tell your mountain like Beyonce, to the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box, to the left. And if your mountain got the nerve to start talking back at you, tell your mountain, keep talking that mess, that's fine. But can you walk and talk at the same time? I thought that might be some beehive listeners in here. You, you got me twisted. Now, you must not know about me. Matter of fact, I could have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, you'll be here in a minute. Y'all, excuse me, Pastor, gets caught up every now and then. Will you help me preach this morning? Turn to your neighbor and tell him he got 99 problems, but preaching ain't one of them. Tell your mountain, I'm a child of the king, and I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Doesn't matter how impossible your situation appears, the hymn writer said, have you any rivers? You think are uncrossable. You got any mountains you can't seem to tunnel through? The hymn writer said, well, God specializes. What does he specialize in? He specializes in things that seem impossible. And if there's anybody here who knows, he can do. I said he can do. He can do with no other power. <laughs> Holy Ghost power can do. Through faith, we can do all things. And not only move mountains and cross rivers, faith can help you raise your children. It can help you open up your own business. It can help restore your family. It can help you go back and finish school. Yeah. Help you start a new career. Yeah. Faith can even lead you into some better relationships. Yeah. We discovered last week it can even straight out, straighten out a bit over life. Yeah. It can even pay your bills. Yeah. Bible says if you just tie, bring the first tenth of all your increase. So that there might be meat in my house and prove me now. Here we'll say of the Lord of hosts. He says, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You won't even have room enough to receive. That's faith. Faith can set a person right with God Almighty. And Jesus says, with faith, all things are possible. Uh-huh, to him that believeth. Faith is that indispensable quality necessary to be in right relationship with God. Again, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to even please God. You can take that from the personal to the corporal and say that without faith, it's even impossible for the church to be pleasing to God. We're going to please God. We have to be a people of faith. Listen, this really seems to be one of the things the text this morning is tailored to teach us. Faith requires our participation with God. Look at what's happening here. In Mark chapter 9, uh, Jesus has been uh, on top of the mountain uh, known as the mountain of transfiguration. Uh, perhaps Mount Hermon, verse 2, lets us know he took Peter, James, and John with them. Uh, he led them there, allowed them to see uh, his transfiguration, uh, an event where heaven's glory came down on Jesus. His raiment became glistening, shining. There was nothing ever seen before on earth and then appeared unto uh, these three disciples with him, uh, Moses and Elijah. Mm -hmm. So Peter, James, and John are amazed at everything that's going on. And Peter speaks up and says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Uh -huh. Why don't we just stay here on top of the mountain? We'll set up three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, no, you can't stay on top of the mountain. There's still work to be done down in the valleys. 
Matter of fact, while all this was going on at the top of the mountain, sure enough, the disciples are at the foot of the mountain struggling with some scribes there. And uh, apparently there's a father uh, there, and the uh, father loves his son, and he brings uh, this boy, his son, with him. Uh, he's crippled. Uh, he's demonized. Uh, he's suffering from epilepsy, and he's having epileptic fits. Uh, he's been so accosted and arrested uh, by demonic forces so severely that the father and son are completely incapable of dealing with it on their own. Uh -huh. Yeah, says he's having uh, epileptic fits. He suffers from epilepsy. It, epilepsy comes from a word that literally means moonstruck. Yeah. Uh, it's the word that we get the word lunar from, uh -huh. from which we get the word lunatic from. Yeah. Father has tried everything he knows to try and to manage this evil that lurks in the life of his son. And the son is suffering so and is so desperate that the father sees there's no solution for his problem unless he gets some help from another source like no other. And whenever you're a parent and you have a child that's hurting, uh, some of you know it seems to hurt you as much if not more as it hurts the child. Uh, I, I was asked by a woman, uh, just uh, nine days ago, pray for her son. I'd met her once before, and uh, I knew she loved the Lord. Matter of fact, she even serves uh, in a ministry in the church where she's a member. And she uh, asked me pray for her son. I said I'd be uh, glad to. I said, "What is his issue?" And she said, in the most distressing voice, she said, "Pastor, he's not saved. Yeah. He's not saved. He's not saved." I said, "Well, uh, how old is he?" And uh, I was expected to say 15, 14. She said he's 31 years old. Uh, what a feeling. Yeah. To be a parent that loves the Lord. Yeah. To be a parent that knows the goodness of God. Yeah. And yet have a child that's sick and doesn't know it. Yeah. And because the weight of a sick child is so pressing on this father, his cry out for help is not help my boy, but help us. Yeah. Help us. Help us. Life has a way of bringing you. Yeah. Uh, to the point on occasions where you find yourself in a situation, you are forced to admit you can't make it on your own. Yes. You have to acknowledge you need some help yes. <laughs> from another source like no other. Yes. And this father here in the story, uh, he must have heard uh, here in chapter 9 that there's some fellas in town. Uh -huh. And uh, he's heard that these fellas have been known to have been in the company of Jesus. Yeah. Let me put a footnote right here and say that, uh, that it's good when you live your life yeah. in such a way others can see you've been in the company of Jesus. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. If you really spent some quality time with Jesus, uh, they ought to be some signs you've been with the man. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, even when you try to blend in and act incognito uh, or incognito, if you will, uh, if you've really been in his company... Uh, there ought to be some places you just look out of place. I mean, you try to be as cool as you can. But somebody say, no, he looked like a child of God. Uh, li listen, even on the night uh, our Lord Jesus was betrayed uh, and arrested, Peter was trying to follow him. The Bible says afar off. Peter went in the courtyard of some of the accusers of Jesus, started intermingling with them around the fire, and there was a young woman there. She said, hey, man, you, you look like one of them fellas that been with Jesus. Peter said, no, no, no. You must be mistaken. Yeah, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. A little while later, the Bible said another woman came up to him, pointed him out, said, look, you, you definitely been with Jesus. 
I tell the way you move, the way you talk. Peter said, listen, I told you, woman, I don't even know the man. So he moves from the fire to the gate of the courtyard. Somebody else sees him there and says, listen, I tell by the way you talking, man. You've been with Jesus. And listen, the Bible says it got so bad. It's in the Bible. Matthew 26, 34 says Peter started cussing and swearing. And, and so let me give you the clean version. He said, listen, man. Uh, uh, like I just told those two heifers over there, uh, uh, I don't even know the Negro. Y'all, it's in the Bible. It's Matthew 26, 34. Y'all ain't with me today. I'm all trying to tell you, when you've been in the presence of Jesus, you just can't blend in everywhere. There's something about the aroma of a saint that arouses even demonic attention. Uh, you've been in his presence. You never leave the same way you came. So this father no doubt had heard these men had been in the presence of Jesus. And that this same Jesus had healing, setting free, and delivering power like no other. I don't know exactly what the man heard by chapter 9 here. Perhaps he heard back in Mark chapter 1. One day this man Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law at lunch. And then cast out devils by dinner. Maybe you heard in chapter 2, there was a bedridden fella, couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd in the house where Jesus was. And so he had four friends, they picked the man up on his cart, went up on the roof of a housetop. The house where Jesus was, tore open the roof, lowered the man down uh, on his pallet by a rope just to get the man in front of Jesus. Some Bible readers in here, when Jesus saw their faith, he forgave the man of his sins, healed the man of his sickness. The man got up and carried his own bed back home. I don't know what the man heard. Maybe he heard in chapter 3. There was a man who had a withered hand. But after just a little talk with Jesus, the Bible said the man's hand was restored. Jesus says, show them that when life deals you a bad hand, you don't have to leave the game. Maybe he heard in chapter 4, some men were out on the sea in a boat in the midst of a life-threatening storm, but Jesus was on board the boat. And when they went down in the hole to wake Jesus up, Jesus had a talk with the winds and the waves. Told them, peace be still. Next thing I heard, the winds and the waves were laying down like newborn babies rocked in the maternity ward. I don't know what he heard. Maybe he heard something in chapter 5. Man possessed with many demons lived out in the graveyard. Nobody could control him, even with chains and cuffs. Matter of fact, he cut himself uh, with the stones in the tombs. Uh, but one day Jesus met him. Jesus evicted the demons out of the man. And the next thing the people knew, the man was sitting and clothed in his right mind. I don't know what the man heard. Maybe he heard something in chapter 6. Maybe he heard how Jesus took a little boy's lunch. Two little tilapias and a biscuit. And when Jesus blessed it, he fed over 5,000 with it. Not even counting the women and the children. And after feeding thousands, listen, he ended up with more left over than the boy had when he left home that morning. Maybe he heard something in chapter 7. Maybe he heard there was a Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus by herself, begging him to heal her disturbed and possessed daughter. And after conversation with Jesus, the Bible says Jesus evicted, uh, served eviction papers on the devil in the girl from where he was. 
while the barrel was still at home. I don't know what this man heard. Maybe he heard something in chapter 8. Maybe he heard a blind man was brought to Jesus and Jesus spat in the blind man's eye. Then touched his eyes with his hand and the man's sight was restored and saw every man clearly. So now, although this father sees nothing but an impossible situation with his son, he's just hoping that if this same man, Jesus, had done all of that for those folk he heard about from chapter 1 to 8, there ought to be something he can do for me and my son here in chapter 9. I don't know who this sermon is for, but somebody listening to me, you you in your chapter 9 right now, and your situation looks like it's not going to turn around looks like it's not going to work out for you. I stopped by to tell you, maybe you just need to go back to your chapter one and start recounting how God made a way for you each chapter along your way. Let truth be told, this ain't the first time you've been in distress. I said, maybe you just need to take a review course what he's already done. Chapter one, you were lost, but he found you. Chapter two, you were down, but he raised you. Chapter three, you were sick, but he healed you. Am I preaching to anybody in here? Chapter four, you thought you were going to lose your mind, but he kept you. Chapter five, you blew it, but he gave you another chance. Chapter six, uh, you lost those you thought would be for you, but when they walked out, he stepped right in. Chapter seven, you looked like you wouldn't get out of it, but he delivered you from it. And then in your chapter eight, he turned your sackcloth into dancing. If God did all of that for you from chapter 28, he ought not have no problem. Preach, Terry, I'm doing the best I can. It's the fifth Sunday, but he ought not have no problem. What you going through in chapter 9. He did it before. I'm here to tell you, he can do it again. Same God right now, same God back then. If you really want your faith and belief to grow, just remember what he's already done. So this father brings his son to these men who are believed to have access to the same power Jesus has. And so get this picture in your mind. You got Peter, James, and John. Uh, they on the top of the mountain uh, wanting to stay there. Uh, and then you got these other disciples at the bottom of the mountain uh, not able to exercise the spiritual authority Jesus had already given them. Uh, what a picture of so many churches today. Uh, you, you have those who are uh, like these fellows on the mountain. They are so heavenly minded. They are of no earthly good. Yeah. And then you got those like these at the foot of the mountain who are so worldly, they don't have any spiritual power. Uh, uh, but if the church is to be really the church, yeah. uh, the called out people of God, the ecclesia, if the church is to be effective, we got to have a meeting of the two. Yeah. Uh, worship takes priority, but they ought to be service following the worship. Yeah. Uh, you're not catching me. Listen, it's not how high you jump on Sunday. It's about how you're going to walk when you come down on Monday. James says faith without works is dead. I love Cornerstone. We don't come here for service. Now, we come in here for worship. Matter of fact, service starts after the benediction. We enter to worship, but then we exit to serve. Can I get a witness in this place? There's work to be done in the valley. So they make their way down the mountain. Verse 14 of this same chapter, Jesus sees the disciples in a crowd around them. There's a big commotion. The scribes are harassing the disciples over their uh, ineffectiveness in the situation. Jesus says, what's going on? Father, the child speaks up, says, Master, 
I brought my son here. He's sick, has an evil spirit, makes him unable to talk. When the attack comes, he goes into convulsions, yeah. has seizures, foams at the mouth, grinds the teeth together. Uh, body becomes like a stiff board. Jesus says, listen, man, how long has he been like this? He said, ever since he was a, a little boy, and it just looks like the condition uh, would cause him to throw himself into an open fire. Even drown him in a river. It just looks like it's trying to kill him and destroy him. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Uh -huh. And in verse 19, when they bring the boy to Jesus, the demonic spirit saw Jesus. And the Bible says, immediately threw the boy into convulsions. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Verse 19, when they bring the boy to Jesus, the demonic spirit saw Jesus and then threw the boy into convulsions. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Verse 19, when they bring the boy to Jesus, the demonic spirit in the boy sees Jesus and then throws the boy into convulsions. Get it, get it. But the man is bringing his boy to Jesus, but now the boys attack more that he's brought the boy to Jesus than he was before he came to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what was bad looks like it's become worse. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying, Pastor? Uh, uh, don't think that just because you are finally releasing your situation to Jesus, that automatically everything's just going to be cleared up immediately. You see, when you bring it to Jesus, preach Curry, the enemy knows his time is winding up. Yeah. Yeah. Say that. He knows when you really bring it to Jesus, he's already a defeated foe. And so what's he going to do? He's going to try to do everything he can. Doing the last round, he's got left to do any damage he can. So don't get discouraged when you bring it to Jesus. And it looks like it's getting worse. Because once you bring it to Jesus, yeah. it might look like it's getting worse. But all of that is just for a moment. It's only getting worse because it's getting ready to get better. Oh, bless his name. And so just know this, that no matter how many haymakers the devil throws at you in the last round, and he's going to throw them because he knows his time is winding up. Yeah. Just know that when Jesus commands the spirit to come out, yeah. his word will not come back void. Yeah. When the enemy knows the word has been spoken, when the Lord says come out, uh, 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 listen, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the enemy can act a fool if they want to. Yeah. The devil can make the boy scream and holler if it wants to. Yeah. You can make the boy go into convulsions if you want to, but when God speaks, yeah. the enemy has got to leave you alone. It, yeah. it may not go home, but when Jesus speaks, the devil got to get the hell up out of you. Yeah. Won't he do it? Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, but last thing. The father does something interesting here. Uh, the father ends up ifing Jesus. Father ends up ifing Jesus. Uh, what nerve to if Jesus? But I like Jesus here because when the father ifs Jesus, Jesus just, just turns around and ifs the man back. The man said, uh, I brought my boy to your disciples. I heard they could help, but they couldn't do anything. Yeah, but if you can do anything, have pity on us, help us. Now here Jesus saying, well, if you think you're going to if me, let me if you. 
because the issue is not if I can do anything. The only issue is if you believe. All things are possible. Turn to your neighbor, tell them if you, I said if you, if you believe, all things are possible to him, to her that believe it. So the issue was not if the Lord had power. The only issue was if the man had enough faith. Man says with tears in his eyes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, I know what you did, chapter 1 through 8. But I've been disappointed so long, so many times now. I believe, but I got some unbelief. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowd running toward the sea, Jesus then speaks to the foul spirit in the boy, evicts the evil spirit out of the boy, and then serves restraining order on the demon and tells him, don't come back again. Now, now, now that troubled me. Uh, 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 why did Jesus do it so quickly when he saw the crowd coming? Yeah. Seemed like to me he would have waited for the crowd to get there and then did done the miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bible said when he saw the crowd coming, he then quickly exercised the demon out of the boy. Why not wait till the crowd gets there? Well, I found out uh, the Lord never performs miracles to satisfy thrill seekers. He does miracles to increase the faith of the believer. Lord, help me today. John 10, 37, 38, he said that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And so Jesus demonstrates here by healing, he's got power over the natural world. But then he demonstrates with his authority over the demon, he also has power over the supernatural. Why? That the glory of God might be shown through him. I'm done, but listen, if the Lord have done anything for you, in the natural and or the supernatural, somebody ought to help me give him glory in this place.
things are possible.